0: Listeners are warned that due to the extremely graphic nature of the crimes described in this podcast, it's brilliant. Episode 7, Crime Number. On Friday the 7th of November 1997, homicide detective Lieutenant Wilfred Silly-Toe of the TCPD was just one week away from retirement, and he couldn't have been happier about it. Unless he'd been one day away, I suppose. Or like an hour. Or maybe a second. Then he'd probably been over the fucking moon. But he wasn't. He was 605,000 seconds away from retirement, which is loads and he couldn't have been unhappier about it. Still, he figured that for his final week on the job, he didn't have to be good, he just had to be there. And to be fair, that's how he basically treated all his other previous weeks as well. So he decided to just keep his head down and hope no one got horribly murdered over the next few days. But violent crime doesn't take time off, unless it goes on a violent city break And barely 900 seconds had passed before reports began to come into the TCPD HQ of a murder. And not just any old murder, but any new murder. The type of murder every policeman dreads. A police murder. But this wasn't just any old police murder. It was any new police murder. The victim, Detective Veronica Redbull, Was newly qualified as a police officer, and this was her first full day on the streets. Except it wasn't full, because she was dead by lunchtime. And the only thing full was her stomach, full of lead. Because she died of lead poisoning. (coughs) Yeah, that's better. She'd been on a routine stakeout all morning with her partner, Sergeant Crunch, keeping tabs on a suspected warehouse, which later turned out to be a regular house that was just a bit hairier than normal. Crunch had taken a takeout of steak on the stakeout, but Red Bull had a packed lunch of honey sandwiches given to her earlier that morning by her mother, Martha Red Bull. At some point between Martha making the sandwiches and Veronica eating the sandwiches, The honey had been removed and substituted with sheets of lead without anybody noticing, which sounds absurd, but it is. Detective Red Bull first realised something was wrong at around 12.40pm when she bit into one of the sandwiches and a couple of her teeth fell out. But she put this down to an anxiety daydream and ploughed on with the other five sandwiches, ignoring the unpleasant leaden taste. After a couple of minutes, she began to complain of a headache, then began to complain of stomach cramps, then began to complain she felt a bit better, but then suddenly began to complain of convulsions, then began to complain of multiple organ failure which led to a painful death at one hundred four pm although she didn't complain about that. Sergeant Crunch was absolutely horrified, and, once he'd finished his steak, he tried to resuscitate her using CBR. Then when that didn't work, CBT, then CBBC, and finally CBBs. But it was all to no avail. Detective Red Bull was dead, and no amount of Dora the Explorer was going to bring her back. At one thirty-eight pm Crunch returned to TCPDHQ, visibly distraught and demanding to be put in charge of the case. When the station boss... Police Chief Believer asked him if he had any theories as to what had happened. Crunch was in no doubt. He said he liked Martha Red Bull for the murder, and also for her soft Irish brogue. What? No, brogue. You know, her accent. To
1: be sure, to be sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Anyway, Sergeant Crunch insisted that Thumbbeliever issue a warrant for Martha Red Bull's arrest. Thumbeliver denied this request partly due to a lack of evidence but mainly due to a lack of warrants because he'd forgotten to print off some new ones Crunch then offered to go round to Martha Redbull's house anyway and force a confession from her although this might have been because he wanted to hear her say murder Murder Yeah lovely But again Thumbeliever denied Crunch's request pointing out that Martha Redbull had a watertight alibi which was that she wasn't a deranged killer At this point, the crime scene photos arrived back from the chemist, so Crunch grabbed a coffee and began to pour all over them, pushing all the other investigating officers out of the way and hogging all the evidence so no one else could get a look in. Captain Thumbeliever realised Detective Crunch was far too close to the case and so he made him stand on the other side of the room. But even from this position, Crunch kept yelling out far-fetched theories about robot bees, so Thumbeliever had no option but to fire him. No, I mean, he, he discharged him. No, not that... No, it doesn't matter. Anyway, now Crunch was out of the picture, Thumbeliever knew there was only one officer who could handle the case. Lieutenant Silito. After all, Silito was the most experienced homicide detective in the entire department within earshot. Silly Toe had no choice but to agree or disagree, but he chose to agree, as there was something about this case that felt oddly familiar to him. And then he suddenly realised what it was. It involved a dead body. Then he remembered all his cases involved dead bodies, that was kind of the deal. While he was pondering this, he started idly leafing through the discarded crime scene photos that had low-quality stickers on them, because the corpse was out of focus or the camera was pointing at the wrong bit of sick, when he suddenly noticed a detail in one of them that nobody else had spotted. Written on the wall behind Crunch's cop car was a piece of graffiti that read, "'What an institution!' That in itself wasn't particularly significant or indeed interesting, but it struck Silly Toe that the words were written in pencil. A lead pencil. And not only that, from the photos, Silly Toe could see that the writing was still warm. He decided to head to the crime scene right away. There wasn't a moment to lose, although first he went to the toilet, and then on his way out he lost a couple more moments when Chief Thumbeliever introduced him to Detective Patrick Beach, who had only that week started at the TCPD. Thumbeliever wanted Beach to tag along with Silly Toe during his last week on the force so he could show him the ropes, or at least one rope. Silly Toe normally worked alone, so he wasn't best pleased to have someone to babysit. But luckily Beach wasn't a baby, he was a rookie cop, that is, a cop who looked a bit like a rook. He had jet black hair and long dark nails as well as a patch of greyish white skin around the base of his nose, and ragged feathers on his thighs. The reason for this particular look was that in his spare time, Detective Beach was an Elvis impersonator, one of the most convincing Elvis impersonators in the city. Beach often said that he would have happily swapped places with the king, another thing that made him a bit like a rook. On their way to the crime scene, Silly Toe filled Beach in on his theory that the penciled graffiti was linked to the murder because of the lead connection. Beach pointed out that pencils don't actually use lead, they use graphite, but Silly Toe chose to ignore this fact as it was annoying. Instead, he invited Beach to come up with his own theory if he was so bloody smart. Beach started by observing that Detective Veronica Redbull had probably known her killer as, 99 times out of a hundred, homicides are committed by someone the victim knew. However, as this had been the case for the last 99 homicides Silly Toe had investigated, he knew this one had to have been committed by a stranger. That was just maths. Beach tried to argue, but Silly Toe put the siren on to drown him out. He knew it was just Beach's inexperience talking, but his inexperience had an irritating nasal quality and couldn't say its ahs properly. Also, it kept saying, uh ha ha whenever Silly Toe asked it a question, so he stopped asking it questions. However, when the two detectives arrived at the crime scene to examine the graffiti, one of the crime scene officers was in the process of rubbing it out. What? Oh, no! No, rubbing it out with a rubber, you know, an eraser. Uh, yeah, I guess... Anyway, Silly Toe and Beach had a scout around the crime scene, but with no more graffiti to examine and no other trace of the killing remaining, apart from one of Detective Redbull's kidneys, there was nothing more to be learned, except maybe French. But no one was in the mood. With no other leads, Silly Toe realized he was going to have to file the case under "not particularly solved," something he hated doing because that drawer was right at the bottom of the filing cabinet, and he had a dodgy knee. As he was driving back to police headquarters, a niggling voice at the back of his head kept telling him it wouldn't be long before the killer struck again. He tried to ignore this voice, but in the end got fed up with it and told Beach to stop making niggling comments from the back seat and come and sit shotgun. No! (sighs) The rest of the journey back to HQ was conducted in stony silence, apart from the sound of the engine and Occasionally the indicator. When they got out of the car, Silly Toe and Beach pointedly went in different directions because Beach wanted to get back to work and Silly Toe needed the toilet. As he stood at the urinal, Silly Toe do, do we need To need? Oh, fine, fine. As he stood at the urinal, Silly Toe pondered the facts of the case. Someone substituting sheets of lead for honey in a police officer's sandwiches? Surely that was just the sort of everyday crime that happened all the time in the city. But what if Beach were right and this were merely the beginning of a crime spree? He hoped not, because he didn't want to hear Beach saying crime spree, but as there was nothing more he could do about it for the moment... He no- <sighs> F- flaming Nora. <sighs> he knocked off work and returned to his apartment. He'd done his duty. He reckoned he'd shown Beach at least three ropes, and as long as nothing else came up, he could return to anticipating his retirement. He'd already planned that the first thing he was going to do was slam the front door, kick his shoes off without untying them, and then slump onto the couch. So now he had to make a decision as to whether he was then going to stick the TV on or just sit there staring into space. While considering his options, he drifted off to sleep. But violent crime doesn't sleep, unless it takes 40 violent winks. And a scant 200,000 seconds later, Beach's instincts were proved right. Another newly graduated young police officer was found murdered. And just like the first killing... It was totally different. The second body was found next to some roadworks a few blocks from the site of the first murder.
1: Murder. Ah, that's beautiful.
0: This time, the victim was a young male policeman who had been killed by being impaled on a pair of meat hooks, which had pierced his large intestine and the tips of which were poking out through his abdomen. He had then been mounted on a Pass With Care sign, sometime in the early seconds of Monday the 10th of November. At around 6am the TCPD had received a call from a terrified driver who had seen the sign and was screaming hysterically that she didn't know what she was supposed to pass with as the word care was obscured by a dead policeman. Silly Beach and a few other police officers were quickly on the scene and before long the unfortunate copper's body was removed from the sign at which point a sheet of paper was discovered pinned to his back. This turned out to be the mark sheet from the victim's final examination prior to his graduation as a police officer, awarding him an A and identifying him as one Kenneth Gribble, who had started as a traffic cop less than two million seconds ago. Beach suddenly realised that he'd known Gribble from his days at the academy, but he looked totally different with meat hooks protruding from his stomach, Also, he had a new hairstyle, which actually really suited him, so it was a shame he'd been murdered. But what really struck Beach was the fact that Gribble had got an A in his final exam. As far as he recalled, Gribble had never got an A in anything. In fact, he had failed graduation several times, and had been nicknamed Thicko Gribble, the stupid idiot with no brain who doesn't know anything and is a fucking moron, although it was meant affectionately. Silly Toe asked Beach if Gribble had any enemies. Beach said he wasn't aware of any, except basic arithmetic. But they couldn't arrest basic arithmetic, as they didn't have enough handcuffs, and anyway, it was a joke. Again, they seemed to have come up against a brick wall, except instead of being made of bricks, it was made of crime. And instead of being a wall, it it was just, just a pile of crime... Apart from the fact that both victims were newly graduated police officers and the fact that they both sounded quite boring, there seemed to be nothing linking the two killings. But once Gribble's body had been removed, Silly Toe looked back up at the pass with care sign from which he had been hung, and suddenly noticed that the word care had been defaced, so it now read, Be careful out there. Was this a message from the killer? Was he giving a warning that he would strike again? Or was it just the work of an innocent graffiti artist, genuinely concerned about public safety? It wasn't written in pencil this time, and it didn't seem to relate to the other graffiti. And yet Silly Toe had a funny feeling that the two messages were linked somehow. So funny was this feeling, in fact, that he couldn't stop laughing. This, plus the fact that there was nothing more to be learnt at the crime scene, except maybe French and still no one was in the mood, meant that there was nothing for it but to return to tcpdHQ On the way, once Silly Toe had stopped laughing, Beach theorised that the killer might have been an unsuccessful applicant to become a police officer and was targeting police men and women who had succeeded where he had failed. If they could get hold of a recent list of unsuccessful applicants to the police training programme, Beach had a funny feeling the killer might be on it. This funny feeling made him now start laughing, which set Silly Toe off again, and this helped pass the time as they negotiated the rush hour traffic. However, the traffic seemed much heavier than usual this particular morning, and after a while it ground to a halt entirely. By this stage, both Silly Toe and Beach had realised they were laughing about nothing. ...and were a bit embarrassed, so they shot out of the car... ...yep, of course... ...and uh, went to see what the hold-up was. It turned out the level crossing just ahead was closed... ...as there'd been a fatality on the train line. Ordinarily, of course, Silly Toe and Beach wouldn't have given a shit about this... ...but after everything that had happened over the last few days... ...they both had suspicious minds... ...which Beach offered to sing, but Silly Toe said no... As how would that help, and anyway, he preferred Elvis's earlier Rocky numbers. As they approached the scene of the accident, their suspicions seemed to be borne out as they saw the corpse was once again wearing a police uniform. This time it was another young female officer, although the body was so mangled as to make any identification impossible but the head was fine, so they turned the body over to have a look at the face. As soon as Beach set eyes on it, he turned aside and threw up, which surprised Silly Toe as he didn't think it was that ugly. Once Beach had recovered, he revealed that again he had known the victim. She was Detective Elizabeth Boo from Vice Squad, another newly graduated officer. She and Beach had been close friends when they were cadets together, Indeed, at one stage they had been romantically involved, but only briefly, for about 350 seconds. Beach apologised for losing his cool and his breakfast, but he hadn't been expecting to see the mutilated body of someone he knew well, and it had really shaken him up. Silly Toe suggested he sing, all shook up, but Beach said no, as how would that help, and anyway he preferred Elvis's later Vegas-era numbers. The paramedics on the scene had already pieced together what must have happened. Detective Boo had fallen face down onto the railway track from an adjacent water tower mere seconds before an express train had passed through, running over her back. If the fall hadn't killed her, the train definitely had. But Silly Toe shot her as well, just to make sure. He, he shot her as well. He shot her. Shot You're not going to... No? Fine, fine, it's fine. Anyway, the paramedics put this down to an unfortunate accident, but Silly Toe wasn't so sure. A young, fit police officer losing her footing at the exact moment that sent her into the path of an oncoming train felt like a bit of a long shot. Well, not now! And anyway, what was an officer from Vice Squad doing up a water tower? Beach suggested she may have been getting some water, and could they go and get some too as he still had all sick round his mouth? Silly Toe agreed, as it could be useful to examine the spot where Detective Boo had fallen in case there was any evidence she'd been pushed. Like an extendable stick with a boxing glove on the end of it. I love those. But when the detectives reached the gantry around the perimeter of the water container, they found nothing like that. Oh, Suddenly, Silly Toe felt a tap on his shoulder, but it was just a tap sticking out of the water container. Peach turned it on in order to clean his vommy chin, but Silly Toe had spotted something else. Written just above the tap was some fresh graffiti, and this time it read, Run for cover. For a couple of seconds he stared silently at it, Then he stared loudly at it, yelling at Beach to get down. You see, Silly Toe had just realised that if the killer was targeting newly qualified cops, then Beach himself was in the firing line. Quick as a fairly slow man, Silly Toe dragged Beach away from the tap and down the ladder to safety, although in the process he accidentally nearly pushed him to his death about eight times. Once Beach had got his breath back, He used it to carry on breathing in and out, but also to ask Silly Toe what the hell was going on. When Silly Toe explained what had happened, Beach realised the older detective had probably saved his life, as well as nearly ending it about eight times. But there was no time to thank him, although I don't see why not, it only takes about a sixtieth of a minute. Silly Toe knew that the killer must still be in the vicinity and that they had to act now if he wasn't to get away. But unfortunately, Silly Toe needed the toilet again, and so the moment was lost. Still, Beach was grateful to his partner, and said that if he liked, instead of calling him Beach, he could call him Patrick or Pat. Silly Toe agreed to this, and in return said that instead of calling him Sir, he could call him Wilfred, or Wilf. Or Lieutenant Silly Toe, or just Lieutenant, or actually Sir is fine, why not just stick with that? Gradually the two of them were starting to hit it off. I don't even know what that's supposed to be, so... (sighs) Once back at the police station, after Silly Toe had been to the toilet and Beach had finished cleaning all sick off his face, they took stock of what they knew so far. They'd basically forgotten about the first killing by this point, so they put everything on a big board in large letters and stuck on loads of arrows and photos, as this made it more fun. Alongside it, they itemised everything they knew about the killer so far, using a series of bu- Oh. Using a series of bullet points, go on. However, even with all the information laid out in front of them, it was still baffling. Why were all the murders so unrealistic? And what was the reason for the graffiti? Silly Toe re-examined the three phrases, what an institution, be careful out there, run for cover, and again he got the feeling he'd seen them all somewhere before, maybe in a slightly comical font. But before he could follow this up, Chief Thumbbeliever called everyone into the briefing room and announced that due to the ongoing situation, all police officers who had recently graduated, say in the last 15 million seconds, were stood down with immediate effect and advised to return home, lock their doors and not let anyone in that they didn't know. Beach reminded Thumbbeliever that 99 times out of 100, homicides were committed by someone the victim did know So Thumbeliever changed the instruction to return home, lock your doors and only let in people that you don't know. Following a further suggestion from Silly Toe Thumbeliever changed it again to just don't let anyone in. Obviously Beach himself had only recently graduated but instead of heading home as instructed he told Silly Toe he was staying. He wanted to see this case through to the end. After all, they were partners weren't they? and more than that, he felt like they'd become friends because it was about halfway through. Silly Toe was grateful for Beach's loyalty, and, as he hadn't eaten yet and Beach had recently thrown up the entire contents of his stomach, he offered to buy him a meal in the police canteen, the most important meal of the day, elevensies. Unfortunately, they were a couple of hours too late, so they had to go for onesies. While they were queuing, Silly Toe asked Beach if there was anything else he could think of that might link the three victims. Beach couldn't think of anything. Obviously as a cadet he had known Boo and Gribble, but he'd never met Red Bull. She must have gone to a different police academy. When he heard this, Silly Toe froze. Something had suddenly clicked into place. He asked Beach to repeat what he had just said. Beach repeated that obviously as a cadet he had known Boo and Gribble but he'd never met Red Bull, she must have gone to a different police academy. Silly Toe said, no, just the last bit. Beach said she must have gone to a different police academy. Silly Toe said just the very end. Beach said academy. Silly Toe said I mean say police academy. Beach said police academy. Silly Toe said what did you just say? Beach said police academy. Silly Toe said police academy. Beach said just that role please. Silly Toe said what? Beach said I was talking to the cashier because by this point they'd got to the front of the queue in the canteen. Silly Toe couldn't wait to share his new theory. So he quickly paid for their food, and... I said he quickly paid for their food. Okay, alright. The guy in the till was having a bit of trouble with the cash register because he was new, apparently. Don't know why that's interesting. But anyway, once Silly Toe had paid, they sat down and he began to talk. First of all, he asked if Beach had ever seen any of the old Police Academy films. Beach said, of course he had. He loved them. They were terrible. Silly Toe asked if he could remember what they were all called. Beach said, sure. Police Academy 1, Police Academy 2, Police Academy 3, Police... Silly Toe interrupted him to say that for starters, the first film obviously wasn't called Police Academy 1. But anyway, he meant the names of the individual films. Beach said nothing. He was having trouble with his role, which was a bit chewy. Silly Toe continued with his theory. Police Academy 2 was subtitled, Their First Assignment, and Gribble, the second victim, was found on a sign, with an exam sheet for which he got his first A, and meant, because that's what it meant. Also, he was impaled through the colon. Police Academy 2, colon, Their First A, sign, meant... Beach was intrigued and gestured for Silly Toe to continue as his mouth was full. Silly Toe then turned to the third killing. A train ran over her back. Police Academy 3, back in training. Beach said that one was a bit of a stretch, but Silly Toe said give him a break, it's close enough. Beach said didn't that one have a colon too? Silly Toe said okay smartass, the train also crushed her colon. And more pertinently, if you checked the taglines of the first three Police Academy films, he was pretty sure you'd find they were. What an institution. Be careful out there, and run for cover. It all added up. Silly Toe was now certain they were dealing with a serial killer who was basing his murders around the Police Academy films. And because there were seven films, they could expect four more of them. One thing was for sure, this wasn't going to have a funny ending. Beach wondered how the lead poisoning fitted in with this theory, but there was no time to worry about this. Now they'd cracked the code, they should be able to anticipate the killer's next move. The fourth Police Academy film was subtitled Citizens on Patrol. How could that phrase be made into a murder?
1: Murder. Not now, Martha. Fuck you.
0: With all newly graduated police officers safely off the streets, there didn't seem to be any reason to anticipate the killer striking again in the near future. But violent crime doesn't listen to reason, unless it's a violent reason. The two detectives were still eating their onesies when a loud Tannoy announcement blared over the speakers. It was Chief Thumbeliever instructing all officers to report to the front of the building where there was an ongoing situation going on. Silly and Beach made their way outside, where there was a crowd of onlookers looking on. Silly felt some oncoming apprehension coming on, as the police finally succeeded in moving the crowds back, revealing the bodies of four men, none of whom were in police uniform, but all four of whom had their underwear round their ankles. But what made this horrific rather than saucy? was the fact that all four of them had had their genitals savagely ripped off and had died from either blood loss or embarrassment. Scrawled on the pavement in their own blood was the phrase, no place is safe, which, as silly Toe already knew, was the tagline for Police Academy 4, apart from on the posters where it was, take off with the original cast and some new civilian recruits as they take to the streets and the skies to fight crime, but there probably wasn't enough blood or time or pavement to write all that. There was no question. These unfortunate men were the citizens of the title. But what about on patrol? Silly looked at Pat Beach, still eating his roll, and quietly asked him what was on it. Beach said it was pork with cranberry sauce, but he thought the meat tasted a bit dicky. Silly Toe gently took the roll from him and opened it up to reveal the remains of a couple of half eaten human penises. Police Academy 4, colon. Citizens on Pat's roll. And I suppose the colon, because Beach was (laughs) digesting killer was clearly escalating his police academy themed reign of terror, and as there were now only three films to go, they needed to get ahead of the game if they were to stand any chance of stopping him. Police Academy 5 was famously subtitled Assignment Miami Beach, so they quickly deduced that they had to get to Miami. While Beach was in the toilet throwing up again, Celito asked Chief Thumbeliever, if they could requisition a helicopter and a backup team to accompany them across state lines. Unfortunately, what with all the new recruits being temporarily off-duty and the rest of the city police force bound up with the four new homicides, plus a major flood on the other side of town which was due to some tap on a water tower having been left turned on, Thumb Believer had no option but to laugh in Silly Toe's face, <laughs> even though he wasn't in a laughing mood. Also, they didn't have any fucking helicopters. There was nothing for it. The two detectives had to make their own way to Florida by commercial flight from whatever state they were in. Celito just prayed they caught the killer before he got up to Police Academy 7. When Beach returned from throwing up he looked thoughtful because he was thinking. How had the killer managed to smuggle the four severed penises inside the police station without being stopped for not being a policeman and holding four severed penises? The only explanation was that he must have been wearing a police uniform and had put the penises in his pocket. Not only that, but the guy in the police canteen who had given Beach the penis-filled roll had been new, and yet Beach could have sworn he recognised him from somewhere. Silly Toe agreed. He did seem familiar. He was a black guy, which wasn't racist, cos Silly Toe was also black, and if you didn't know that, you're racist. Or you haven't seen Seven. He was a black guy, early 40s, quite skinny, holding a microphone. Well, that could describe almost anyone. Beach said maybe he was an actual policeman. And suddenly Silly Toe remembered the police officer who was rubbing out the graffiti at the first crime scene. He'd had a microphone. I probably should have mentioned that at the time. Silly Toe and Beach were in agreement. What they needed now was a little less conversation, a little more action. Beach said, like the Elvis song, but Silly Toe hadn't heard of that one because it was five years before the hit JXL remix, and he didn't actually like Elvis anyway, or music, or anything, except watching TV and staring into space. The point was they had to get to Miami as sap as possible. For once, Silly Toe didn't need a wee, so they could leave right away and not let the killer get too far ahead of them. Unfortunately, Beach needed to go and be sick again, so they had to wait anyway. The police station was eerily quiet. Everyone was either at home or dealing with the flood or the quadruple homicide. While Silly Toe was waiting for Beach to get back from the toilet, he started thinking about something his partner had said. Why did the killer used such a strange method for his first killing? How did it link into the Police Academy theme? Substituting lead for honey in Detective Red Bull sandwiches. Given to her by her mother. Her ma. Her ma's honey sandwiches. ma honey. Ma honey. Mahoney. Oh his god, he thought. Mahoney! The annoying lead character of the police academy films, portrayed so charismatically by Steve Gutenberg. Next he reconsidered how Officer Gribble had been killed. Impaled on meat hooks. Hooks. Hooks! The franchise's diminutive, soft-spoken police sergeant, who would occasionally yell loudly to hilarious effect, portrayed so truthfully by Marion Ramsey. Then there was Detective Boo, pushed to her death from a tall water tower. A high tower. High tower! The immensely tall character, known for being immensely tall, and capable of getting laughs merely by being immensely tall, portrayed so movingly by Bubba Smith. Finally, they were the four citizens whose severed penises were put in a roll with cranberry sauce. Their wedding tackles in cranberry sauce. Tackles. Berry. Tackleberry. The firearm-obsessed mainstay of the Police Academy movies who could raise a smile merely by being obsessed with firearms, portrayed so faultlessly by David Graff. Silly Toe couldn't wait to share his new revelation with Beach. But where was Beach? He'd been in the toilet for a long time now, which was odd as he'd already chundered twice that day. Surely he couldn't have that much left in his stomach. Silly Toe set off for the gents to check he was okay. On the way, he tried to remember any of the other Police Academy characters' names. What was Bobcat Goldthwait called? Or or the main bad guy? Or that bloke who was a bit accident-prone or something? But when he opened the door of the gents... All these thoughts were instantly driven from his head. Except for the name of Bobcat Goldthwaite's character, because that was literally on the tip of his tongue. With a mounting feeling of doom, Silly Toe realised he was too late. There, sprawled on the lavatory floor, awash with blood, was the killer's fifth victim. Detective Beach. You heard right. Detective Patrick Beach. Yep, Beach. Beach had... No, it's a new sentence. Beach had evidently slipped on his way into the cubicle and had fallen headfirst onto the toilet bowl, which was ringed with a deadly steel blade, decapitating him instantly and propelling his severed head into the pan where it was now floating next to a piece of toilet paper, on which was written the words, Hold Everything. Just by the door was a yellow plastic sign placed on the floor that read, Attention, Soul glistened, which was French for, Watch Out, Slippery Floor. But as no one had ever been in the mood to learn French, Beach hadn't realised he needed to be careful when stepping into the cubicle. In other words, he hadn't known what a sign meant. And as he was Silly Toe's friend, or in French, Ami, Silly Toe could accurately describe him as Miami Beach. Not only that, he had been killed by a hazard, which in French is Le Hazard, probably. Le Hazard, Lassard, the otherworldly commandant from the Police Academy franchise, played so intensely by George Gaines. And fuck it, Beach had a colon. Police Academy 4, colon, Assignment Miami Beach. Hold everything. Silly Toe sank to his knees, a broken man, and cried his eyes out.
1: <laughs> Do you
0: mind? Thank you. Before coming to an important conclusion. He felt that he owed it to Beach to catch the killer before he could complete his stupid master plan and he vowed there and then that he would not stop until the criminal was safely behind bars. Then he came to another important conclusion, that Bobcat Goldthwaite's character in Police Academy was called Zed. I mean, it wasn't as important, but it had been bugging him, and it actually helped cheer him up a bit after the hideous and bloody murder of his friend. Also, he wondered if maybe Beach would have taken some comfort in the fact that he'd died, like his hero, on the toilet. Although Elvis's head didn't come off. My head came off. No, it didn't. Shut up. However, Silly Toe was still a long way from cracking the case. The guy in the canteen had vanished without trace, and once Beecher's body was removed, the forensic team found no trace of any DNA in the toilet other than Beecher's and that of a pigeon that had got in the previous week. The killer had been thorough. There weren't even any fingerprints, apart from Beecher's and the pigeon's. A photo fit of the cashier was issued to the public as well as a photo fit of his microphone, but all to no avail. A radio mic belonging to Coolio was briefly brought in for questioning, but its battery was running low and it was eventually released without charge. Meanwhile, Silly toe went over and over the facts of the case, vainly seeking inspiration before the killer could strike again. Police Academy 6 was subtitled, City Under Siege and he couldn't work out how that could be reinterpreted as a method of killing. And perhaps the killer couldn't either, because Beach turned out to be his last victim. Or maybe he just wasn't as much of a fan of the last two films. And fair enough, I mean, the fucking dreadful. With no new killings to investigate, the TCPD soon ceased actively investigating the case. But Silly Toe kept the file open for as long as he could, After all, he'd made a promise to his dead friend that he wouldn't rest until the perpetrator was caught and banged to rights. But by the end of the week he'd forgotten all about that, so he left the TCPD as planned and enjoyed a long and peaceful retirement, alternately watching television and staring into space. The police academy killer was never caught. Uh, Yeah. Bit of an anti-climax, that one. Sorry. Sort of of fizzled out. I suppose maybe it just went on a bit too long and ran out of ideas. (laughs) Like the Police Academy movies. Although, to be honest, they were never that good, were they? They were just, just sort of there. I'm quite surprised they haven't done a reboot, actually. I mean, sure, they'd have to update it a bit, you know, probably get in an all-new, young cast, make the plot a bit more edgy, like, I don't know, a serial killer or something. Yeah, yeah, like a serial killer who's got a grudge against all the new recruits, kind of picking them off one by one. Yeah. Or maybe they could go all meta, like in Scream, and the killer's got it in for whoever cancelled the Police Academy franchise in the first place. Ah, but the twist is, it's not a deranged fan. It's a member of the original cast. It was better that the films got cancelled because it meant he was out of work for years and then he wasn't even invited back for Police Academy 8. Yeah, and he won't stop killing unless Warner Brothers commit to making Police Academy films with the original cast until they get all the way up to, I don't know, Police Academy infinity. Yeah, that's... The... But, ah, and then... Maybe a true crime podcast starts investigating the case, so the killer has to get a job on the podcast production team, like on, I don't know, sound effects or something, just to make sure they don't uncover the truth. But, the, but the, yeah, but the host of the podcast, maybe he's a real genius and he, he works it all out and he's all set to reveal the killer's identity at the end of the episode. So the only way for the killer to stop it happening is to actually kill the podcast host during the actual recording itself. Uh, uh. I don't know, maybe the host getting shot's a bit on the nose. How about if he gets strangled? (laughs) No, it's a bit unsubtle. Maybe he just poisons his tea or something. (sighs) Whatever, we can work on that. Oh, they could call it Police Academy 8. The sound of violence. (laughs) Yeah, I reckon that would clinch it. <laughs> right, no, that's it. That sound effect guy's toast. No, no, I've had enough. I'm pulling the plug. Oh, I can't believe this fucking pain we have house. Mate. Late. Even mate. Do oh, I have a word? What do you mate? Well, it's just, well
1: it's, it's just not working out. I'm afraid I'm going to have to let you go. Hang oh, on No, you hang on a second actually, mate. You had one job, okay? All you had to do was play in the sound effects that were indicated in the script. I, I stopped doing that. Yeah, I know you did. Why? I've got to use them for good. I can't use them for bad things. I really can't. Uh, what are you talking about? Look, mate, where's your script? No script. What have you done with it? We are a script that is still being written. What are you talking about? This bit isn't scripted. Look, mate, just, just get out. I'll finish this off myself. So... how do y'all... No, oh, just, know. Not, just, don't worry about me, huh? Oh, I unplugged the sound thing, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, actually, it doesn't matter, because I don't need any more sound effects anyway. Wrong, man. What do you mean? What else is there? There's, there's the weapons, there's the leather, there's what? the clothing noises. What? There's, there's the swinging the of the axe, and there's axe? this clanking swords, and... What swords? What are you talking about? The story's finished. Plans have changed. Things everything is completely be different. No, mate, mate, my plans have not changed at all. You want to make God laugh? Tell me, please. I do want to make God laugh. Why would I want to make God laugh? I hate God. Look, sorry, what's your name? Michael. Hang on. Then D- I know you from somewhere. I'm sure. um, no, no, I'm you're, I know. You're, you're, yeah. You're the bloke who did all those stupid sounds in the police academy films. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, mate, like, do, do the bit where you pretend you're a dubbed kung fu movie. That's a fucking classic. <laughs> you <see, right. laughs> What's that there? Uh, yeah. Actually, it doesn't really work on audio, does it? That's good, though. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, how come you ended up working on production, anyway? Well, before that. Yeah, before that. It was, it was a weird time. Oh, but I think now. Alright, right, Cool. Yeah, but you're still fired though. Again. No, no, mate. It's too late. My mind is made up. Lack of an open mind will be to a closed casket. Excuse me? I don't know what you're laughing at. Will you just leave? No way in hell. Look, mate, don't make this awkward. i God I have noises. Look, mate, I just. Oh! <laughs> wow, mate. Yeah, I have to give it to you. You're pretty good at that. That was so good, I almost felt it. <laughs> Ow! I did feel that one. You see, you see what I mean? I'm, I'm sure we can settle this without recourse to fucking. <laughs> Ow! Look, mate. What is it you want? This it. What? That's all. I don't understand. How, how do you think I can help? That's what I'm figuring out. Yeah, but <laughs> ah, Just Fucking... get out! No, get out! 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 <laughs> <Get> out. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you're not coming in here, no! Look, I know you're upset they cancelled the franchise. There's a a car in here. Yeah. Well, that's not my fault! Get this, get out! Uh, no, don't, don't fucking get, get out! Get oh, Jesus Christ! fuck's sake! You you won't get away with this! i in jail for making my own noises. Wait, wait, wait! Wait, look, mate. At the end of the day, this is my podcast, and what I say goes. Shut up. Time. Okay, look. Maybe I'm not as good at noises as you are, but the way I figure it, they don't have to be good. They just have to be there. So, yeah, watch out. I'm gonna try. No, do and, it, do yeah, it. I'm gonna do it. Right. Uh, uh, oh, well, look. Your gun's vanished into thin air. Whee! Not bad, not bad. Uh, yeah, and now look, look, you've suddenly got the handcuffs on. You're, you're learning, you're learning. Oh, now look, a portal to hell has opened up. How the heck do you do that? And now look, everyone starts getting sucked into it. Yeah. And, unless they're Australian. Yeah. Oh, ah. Oh.
0: Oh, that seemed to work okay. Yeah. Bit of a stupid ending, but I was making it up as I went along. Still, I gave it my best shot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Ernest Hemingway once said, The first draft of everything is shit. I agree with the second part. And uh, that uh, is the end uh, of uh, this uh, episode. Uh, Good night. uh, And remember, before you go to bed, wipe that crime off your face. Welcome to hell, Simba! Who are you, and what were your transgressions in the physical
1: realm? I'm Michael Winslow from Police Academy, Wonder Infinity. Such a campaign of sustained evil as even I have never. Uh, Hang on. Hang on, you're the bloke who did the sounds, aren't you? (laughs) Excellent! (laughs) I love that. Uh, do the do the do the police siren. <laughs> oh, 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 that's that's amazing. Oh yeah, brilliant. Now now to uh, to an electric saw. <laughs> <That's> brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> now to, uh, to 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 do God, but he's do God accidentally.